wonderful. To which one student said, yes, sir, it's wonderful that he was sitting in a, in a it, it would have been wonderful if he was sitting in a class reading a book like us. If that was the case, he'd never discovered anything. And it's just horrible that Isaac Newton was not in a classroom when he learned about gravity. But do we ever really learn from college? Do we really learn from school? In reality, I believe that life does not stop with graduation. Life really, in all reality, starts at graduation. It really begins and no matter what you learn or what you don't learn, life continues on. Life continues on. And I'm going to make a lot of analogies today between the new graduate and the church member. Because their lives in many ways are very similar. The life of a graduate is very similar to that of a church member. Today I'm going to share some goals some goals that graduates ought to have coming out of high school, graduates ought to have coming out of college, but also some goals that church members ought to have as well. Number one, that is seek the Lord. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Word of God says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Above all, Above everything else, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord first, the Bible says. Let me ask you this question. What is your major goal in life? Is your major goal knowing yourself? Or is your major goal knowing God? The great preacher Chuck Swindoll wrote, I am more convinced more than ever that life's major pursuit is not knowing itself, but knowing God. What is your major goal? Knowing God is the key to a better life. Do you hear me, church? Knowing God intimately is the key to a better life. So if you're not satisfied with how things are going, I want to challenge you to know God better. How do you get to know God better? How do you get to know Him? Well, we worship Him both at home and at church. I read a quote from a pastor friend of mine that said, Personal worship is never a substitute for congregational worship. Just as congregational worship is never a substitute for personal worship. you got to have both. You've got to be involved in a church family, and you've got to be involved in a physical family. The psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the streams, and he will yield its fruit in season, and his leaf will not wither. Whatever he does will prosper. Whatever he touches will succeed if he's, if he's involved in a church family and involved in a home family. Both are improving. Oh, thank you. I forgot all about children's church. Thank you, sweetie. We're going to dismiss for children's church. My fault. 
Amen. Hey, y'all got to speak up. Y'all got to let her rip. Go for it, Eli. Go for it, Mackenzie. There we go. I think they're already back there. Thank you. I'm sorry. Wow. Man, I almost got myself into some hot water. That's what a good wife does, amen? A good wife will keep you out of hot water. Amen? Wow. Let me share with you uh, this illustration. After graduating from uh, medical college, Dr. Howard A. Kelly, a world-famous surgeon and gynecologist, wrote in his diary. He said, I dedicate myself, I dedicate my time, I dedicate my capabilities, I dedicate myself, I dedicate my everything to God. Can you say that? That in spite of all your accomplishments, you dedicate all of those to God. He went on to say, blessed Lord, set me apart and use me for your purposes. What a blessing that is. He went on to say, give me no worldly success which doesn't lead me nearer to my Savior. What a doctor, amen? I want that doctor, even though he's a gynecologist. I want him, amen? I want him. I mean, he doesn't want any success that doesn't lead him closer to his Savior. What a doctor. So it sounds like the smart thing to do in life is certainly to seek the Lord and seek the will of the Lord for your life. Here's a second goal for you today. Concentrate on people. Graduates, church, concentrate on people. Matthew chapter 22, the disciples asked Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? To which Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first, it's the greatest commandment. And the second one's a lot like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, he was awful little when he spoke this message, but I remember Rory speaking a message from this verse. And the thrust of Rory's message was simple. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. The more you love God, the more you're going to love people. The more you love Him, the more you love them. Love God and love people. Friend, it don't make any difference what you do in life as long as you're putting people first. As long as you're honoring God by blessing people. How do you bless people? Well, you can be nice to somebody. Is a nice person a blessing or what? Amen? You can bless them by being nice to them. Bless them by being polite. Bless them by being respectful. Bless them by being helpful. Bless them by being quick to serve them. All those are great blessings for people. I think that sometimes we can consider ourselves people that sell a product. See, we kind of do. We're kind of salesmen. In a sense, we own Christ because Christ owns us. And we have a product, so to speak, to sell. We ought to be busy selling Jesus to everybody we know. We ought to be a living, breathing advertisement for the Lord Jesus Christ. So are you nice? Are you polite? 
Are you respectful? Does your language show that you are a child of God? You ought to be an advertisement for the Lord Jesus Christ as if you were selling him to somebody that doesn't have him. Amen? Amen? That's right. Don't forget that. All right. Thomas Monahan. Back in, in 1950 to 1985, Thomas Monahan was the founder, the president, and the CEO of Domino's Pizza. And during that time, it was a small little pizza chain. It was overwhelmed with debt and was on the verge of going bankrupt. And then Thomas got a hold of it, and it became the second largest pizza company in America. How did he do it? When he was asked how to, to explain how he did it, he said, I programmed everything for growth. I programmed everything for growth. Monahan said, I developed it all to grow. The key to growth is developing people. That's how he did it. Not special cheese, not tasty crust, not fast delivery. He said the key to growth is developing people. Friend, I want to tell you that's the same thing that we ought to be doing in the church. It's the same thing you as graduates ought to be doing. Sowing your life to developing people. Everything that we do in the church is about developing people. Whether it be in a life group, a men's ministry, the WMU, the children's ministry, BYG. No matter what we're doing, we're developing and discipling people. That's what we ought to be doing. And that's what Thomas Monahan did. His entire emphasis was on people. You say, Bill, how do you know that's what we should be doing? Because the Bible tells us to. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2 says. Philippians says, do nothing. Say nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Consider others better than yourself. He goes on to say, each of you should not only look out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. That's what the church should be doing. Looking out for the interests of others. Friend, there are people outside these walls that don't know the Lord Jesus. They don't have hope for eternity. And they're relying on you to share the good news with them. There's no better way of developing a person than sharing the good news of Jesus with them. Don't live for self. Live for others because that is exactly what Jesus did. And we as his children are called to follow him. So seek the Lord. That's your first goal. Graduate. Church. The second goal that you should have, graduate and church, is to concentrate on people. But let me give you a third goal. A third goal is to go to work. You hear me? The third goal is to go to work. Get to work. Find a job. Get to work. I read about a father who was talking to his son, and he said, Son, why don't you go get a job? And the son said, Why? 
And the father said, so you can earn some money. And the son said, why? And then the father said, so you can put some money in the bank and earn interest. And the son said, why? And the father said, well, when you're old, you can earn enough money and you have enough in your bank account where you will never have to work again. And the son said, I already don't work. Get to work. Not only to the graduate, but to the church member. Get to work. There's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of families that don't have Jesus in their family. There's a lot of marriages that are breaking apart because they don't have Jesus in their marriage. There's a lot of children that are being raised because the home doesn't have Jesus. Friend, I don't believe that God cares much for lazy people. You believe that? I don't know how much He cares for lazy people. God is a worker. And I believe because God is a worker, He wants us to work. He wants us to work. And listen to what 2 Thessalonians says in chapter 3. Get it right here. Paul wrote to these believers, get it? He's writing to believers here. And he said, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not idle among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. But we worked. We worked with labor and toil night and day. That we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we don't have the authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Woo! If a man won't work, neither shall he eat. Can you imagine? There is nearly 10 million unemployed people in America right now. 10 million. Do you think that these 10 million capable workers would try harder to find a job if their next meal depended on it? I guarantee you they would. Not one person that's come to us looking for a job have we not put them to work for Tim. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. If you want a job, you can get a job. Amen? Everybody can have, I don't know how many people in this church work over at Magneti, but what a blessing it is, brother. Amen? What a blessing it is. You can go to work if you really want to work. It doesn't matter what kind of work you do, but work you must do. And by the way, are you a one-mile worker or are you a two-mile worker? Are you one-mile worker or two-mile? Do you do the bare minimum that you've got to do or do you go the second mile and leave the mark of excellence on everything you touch? One mile or two miles? Just listen to this story. Because people always remember two-mile workers. Amen? People always remember those that leave the mark of excellence. In 1920, a pharmacist went and bought a drugstore in South Chicago. Soon he got bored. And he began to dream of ways that he could be more efficient, dream of ways that he could make his job more exciting. It was during this time that people were just beginning to call in their orders to the pharmacy. And this man decided that he was going to challenge himself by seeing how quickly he could deliver orders. When a customer would call on the phone, he would repeat the order out loud, including the name and address. He would speak then with the caller while his assistant was filling the order and the delivery boy was getting ready to head out the door and immediately deliver it. 
The pharmacist will keep the customer on the phone until all of a sudden the order showed up at the door. A lot of customers lived nearby, but still that kind of service was revolutionary. It made the whole pharmacy industry evolve to something totally different. And word began to spread, and this busiest pharmacy in Chicago, owned by Charles Walgreen, turned the pharmacy industry on its head and began doing things. How did he do it? How did he do it? He decided he was going to go the second mile. He decided that he was going to leave a mark of excellence when somebody mentioned the Walgreen Pharmacy name. How about you? Are you willing to go the second mile? Are you willing to go beyond the call of duty? In your church life, in your ministry life, are you willing to go beyond what is expected of you? How about in your marriage? Are you willing to go beyond what is called of you? Whatever you do in the workplace, in ministry, at home, are you willing to go the second mile? We should always be willing to do more than is expected us, especially in church. And man, I love to see that. I've seen it in many, many a servant here at Bethel. People going the extra mile. Further than I ever dreamed they would. Going beyond what I ever dreamt or expected they would do. We should always do more. Because by doing more, by going that extra mile, you become a greater blessing to people. And we just got through saying that developing people was one of the goals we should have. So seek the Lord. Concentrate on people. Get to work. Amen. Here's one more for you. The fourth goal is to continue your education. I know you may have graduated, but you need to continue your education. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul said, my son in the faith, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from who you've learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul said, you've got to continue. You're just starting good. Church member, you've got to continue. You've got to keep going in what you've learned. You've got to keep going in what God has planted in you. You've got to keep going and keep going and keep going. You've got to continue to learn from those who have already sown into your life. We've got to continue to learn even though you might be done with school, even though you might be done with college, even though you might be done with a certain ministry. Because if you're not growing, friend, you're dying. You've got to continue, continue. Mark Twain said, listen to this, Mark Twain said, I've never let my schooling interfere with my education. Y'all get that? I've never let my schooling interfere with my education. He said, they're different. 
Schooling is different from education. When it comes to life, friend, we learn much more outside the classroom than we do inside the classroom. It's different. The second president of these United States, John Adams, said there are two types of education. Two types. One teaches us how to make a living. The other one teaches us how to live. Now, regarding this second one, the second type of education that teaches us how to live, there are two courses you get to take at Life University. The first one is a required course. Life is a required course for you. You, have, you had no choice where you were born. You had no choice when you were born, and you had no choice to whom you were born. It was a required course. You were just born. But I want to tell you something else that's a required course, and that is death. I hate to tell you this, and I'm not put, trying to put a damper on your day, but every one of us are going to die. It's a required course. And in Hebrews 9.27, the Bible says, It is appointed for men to die. We're all going to die. But that verse goes on to say, It is appointed for men to die, but after this, the judgment. That's the third required course. You see, every one of us are going to be judged. You say, oh, no, I'm not going to be judged, Bill. I'm saved. Well, let me tell you something. It is required that you will, you will be judged in either one place or another. The first place you might be judged is at a place called the judgment seat of Christ. Let me read you this scripture in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Listen to this. Paul's writing to believers, and he says, For we must all, say all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what one has done, whether good or bad. Now there's good news here too, because down in verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, whom has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. I pray this is the judgment seat you will face. Because if that is not the judgment seat that you will face, you will face the second one. And the second uh, throne of judgment is something called the great white throne judgment. And in Revelation chapter 20, John writes about this great white throne judgment that maybe some of you might appear at. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, Paul writes, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And then in verse 15, the Holy Spirit inspired John to write, and anyone not found written 
in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Friend, there is a required course of life, of death, and of judgment that every one of us are required to take. Will you appear at the great throne of, J- of Jesus or the judgment seat of Jesus or will you appear at the great white throne? That's the only choice you have in those requirements. Now, not only are there required courses as you continue your education, but there are also elective courses that you take as a result of your continuing education. You see, elective courses are courses that you get to choose. You get to choose underwater basket weaving. Amen? You get to choose things like, um, what's another good elective? Somebody help me out. What's another good elective, Rory? Walk, John, run. Walk, jog, run. Wow. I might could pass that class. Amen? Wow. These elective courses are ones that anybody can pass. Amen? Here's the deal. You choose them. You choose your elective courses. Here's the first one. You choose to be saved or choose to be lost. You choose. It's said that nature forms us. Sin deforms us. School informs us. But only the Lord Jesus Christ transforms us. Amen. How do I get saved? How do I get saved? How do I get from facing the great white throne judgment? How do I get saved? The Bible says in Romans chapter uh, 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But you choose, amen? Here's another elective course that you choose. You choose to be spiritual or carnal. You choose to be spiritual or worldly. You choose to be spiritual or fleshly. You choose. In Romans 8, 6, listen to what the Bible says. For to be carnally minded, to be fleshly minded, to be worldly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But listen here. You choose. It's an elective course. There's another elective course, and that is to be scriptural or logical. You choose to be scriptural or logical. The Lord God Almighty has given us the Word of God, and listen to what Paul says about the Word of God. He says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. What does that mean, Brother Bill? That means that God, God's Word reveals to us what's right. That's doctrine. It reveals to us what's not right. That's reproof. It reveals to us how to get right. That's correction. But it also reveals to us how to stay right. That's instruction. Friend, do you see why instruction is so important? Do you see why life groups are so important? Do you see why Bible study is so important? Friend, you've got to stay right once you get right. We need the Word of God. And you have the choice to live scripturally or logically. I loosely translated Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 for our children so that they can remember it. 
And it goes something like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not what you think you know. Seek his ways and he will show you the way to go. Amen? You can live scripturally or you can live according to your own thoughts and your own ways. We know that God's ways are far higher than our ways. You choose. Finally, he also says, here's the last elective course you get to choose. You choose to be safe in God's will or just be in your own. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. Graduates, listen up. Church members, listen up. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect, acceptable will of God. But it's your choice. It's an elective course. Bottom line is this. You must continue in the things which you have learned. The things at school might help you to make a great living. The things you've learned at church will help you to make a great life. But it's your choice. So go the distance. Stay the course. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. You might say, Bill... I have to admit that if I died today, I know what throne I'd be appearing before. And the great white throne scares me. Friend, you don't have to. That is a, a blessing that God has given you in where Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of mankind. And he offers us the privilege of appearing before the judgment seat of Christ where grace is applied, where mercy is given rather than where judgment is passed. So during this decision time, if you are facing the great white throne judgment, it's time to get right. And I pray you will. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your perfect justice. I thank you so much for your perfect will. I thank you for the required courses in life. But Lord, I also thank you for the elective courses in life. And Lord, I pray for these graduates as they move on in their lives. But I also pray for my fellow church members as we all collectively as a body of Christ choose to be saved and live like it. Choose to be scriptural not logical. That, Lord, we choose to live according to your perfect will and not our own. And, Father, if there's one here that's facing the great white throne judgment right now and they're scared, Lord, they ought to be. Father, I thank you for the judgment seat of Christ that applies mercy to my sin and points out that the blood of Christ covers my sin. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And now, Father, I pray that you would direct the decisions that are made for your glory. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen.